We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, the Friday DFS edition. I am Scott Jensta, joined today, as usual, by Andrew Laird. Uh, if you could please rate or review the podcast, we greatly appreciate that if you enjoy listening to us, uh, hopefully all season long, as we break down DFS slates every Friday morning. Uh, that would be fantastic if you leave some, a, a, a bunch of stars, a nice comment. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. Also, we are sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Sports. We appreciate them for that, too. Uh, Andrew, it's uh, almost season time. This is the last podcast. We're going to kind of wrap some stuff up, do some uh, talk about avoiding mistakes, making some goals for the season. But next week, week one, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It seems like I've already been a part of so many like week one conversations. And because the prices have been out for a while and everybody's like getting very fired up and I kind of want to be like, I don't want to look yet because there's, you know, we still have another week and not that like a ton of things change, but, uh, it's also weird because people just like agonize over so many things this early. And it's like, don't get used to having this much time because yeah, when, true. you know, week two through 17 in the playoffs, like you, you'll get a few days, but now we're getting like weeks and it's just like, it's almost too much time. Like people are, it, it, we're overthinking so much. And by the time you finally make your lineup, like you could be back to where you were three weeks ago, but all that time of like pouring it over, like maybe that wasn't actually helpful. 
Yeah, I'm one who tends to not overplay, and if anything, I procrastinate to a, to a poor degree. But uh, <laughs> I've got I've got some season long drafts going. I know you're not a big season long guy, but I've got a couple NFFC drafts going. I had one last night, and I'm going up to the Stanford football game this weekend. So I've 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 uh, I've done a good job of planning myself away from overthinking DFS week one. But uh, I'm ready for it to start. I'm looking forward to next week. I'm looking forward to breaking down the slate. I think it's going to be a fun time. And it's funny you talk about not much changing uh, except for the fact that we have two top ten running backs that are still holding out. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of where everybody's going to go to early on, I exactly. think. It's one of those that like, oh, if you play these guys, then uh, everything kind of opens up. And, you know, even we're kind of late enough where even if these guys somehow sign a contract in the next few days, like you can't imagine that they're actually going to play in week one or have like a full workload that actually just muddies the waters more if they come back. So it does, um, you know, you can, at this point, you just hope that they don't. So but it, again, it's like one of these things where I feel like during the regular season, um, you kind of look at a few ideas, at least from like a cash perspective. I My player pool gets pretty small. And because I've had so much time to look and I have done a very poor job of not looking, um, it's like, oh, my gosh, I can make like 50 cash lineups because we have these situations where the like, pricing hasn't caught up because they release it so early. So week one should be should be interesting. Yeah, it's funny. We talk about the benefits of DFS, but I tell you what, you know, the Melvin Gordon, Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard, Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson decisions in season long are just agonizing. Like trying to figure out where to slot those guys is so miserable. But in DFS, it's so nice. Like we just figure out by next Thursday, next Friday, what it looks like. And and we figure it out from there. It's just uh, it's a nice advantage. It's it's uh, it's a it's a negative in season long right now. Just dealing with these holdouts last year, Le'Veon Bell, like literally ruined seasons and a team. So, you know, if you want to talk about the benefits of DFS, avoiding these holdout situations, having to deal with them, it's been not fun in season long, even thinking about them. If I didn't have enough reasons to not play season long fantasy (laughs) football already. I just I just I just talked you from zero to negative two teams. Yeah, yeah. it's just like I mean, I get I get it. And it's funny because, you know, there are enough people that I follow on Twitter who play season long fantasy football and are doing, you know, NFFC drafts and all these other, you know, a bunch of best balls. And people are like, oh, I started with like Zeke and Gordon. And, and now they're like, they're all in on having these guys play. And like, they, obviously the the reward can be massive because they're, you know, they're falling in these drafts. But man, that's like dealing with injuries is bad enough. And now you're like, is this guy ever going to get paid? And if not, he's not going to play. And so... Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds fun, man. It sounds really fun. I tell you what, you talk about Zeke dropping. He went fourth in my in my uh, NFFC oh, really? online draft okay. last night. So yeah, he actually didn't. Gordon definitely is, but I think people re- are reading into Zeke's situation more than Gordon, and uh, he's still going top four. It's uh, it's pretty wild. That's a big investment to make in a guy who you know hasn't seen a day of practice yet, and we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and I love the whole like, well, he's staying in football shape, and it's like oh. they're working out and like practicing with your team is very different that's why they make guys practice with the team <laughs> i love it. i always love that oh he's on a flight from cabo to dallas where you know he might be just like seeing someone or hanging out or doing some business like it just <laughs> the fact that we're following you know where where what country zeke is in right now is just so absurd so i'm looking forward to the season starting getting rid of some of this bs and then getting in some real games yeah, if you think the BS is ending just because the regular season starts you're uh, in for rude awakening scott yeah that's very uh, that's very true <laughs> but uh Speaking of uh, speaking of uh, before we get into making goals, uh, speaking of uh, RotoWire, we've got do you know RotoWire has a college football podcast? That's right. Host Nick Whalen and John McKechnie will be posting episodes every Wednesday throughout the season with a focus on fantasy and betting. Just search for RotoWire College Football anywhere you happen to listen to podcasts. Uh, a great time to do so right now. This is week one of college football. There are a number of games tonight. Everybody plays on Saturday. Um, it's a, it's a big weekend for college football. There's a lot of big games. I'm heading up to the Stanford Northwestern game myself. So if you are a college football fan, if you bet on college football, you 
play DFS, which is now back on uh, DraftKings and FanDuel, or if uh, you play season long, a great podcast to listen to. Yeah, totally great. And I did know that that podcast was around. I think it's a rhetorical question, Andrew. Okay, just checking, just checking. Yeah, just, uh, you know, if, 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 as we go forward, I, I don't think you need to answer that one. Ever. <laughs> so Notice. let's talk about, uh, as we're, talking, we're going into the season, I think, you know, this weekend is a good time. As if you're uh, playing DFS, kind of make some goals. Figure out what you want from this DFS season. We've talked about, uh, you know, everything in the DFS world over the last six weeks if we've done these podcasts. But, you know, trying to figure out, uh, you know, what percentage of cash games versus GBP, what's your goal coming into the season, you know? And it's not like I want to make, $800, you know, not an exact number goal or an ROI goal, but you know, what are your goals? What are you trying to do? Uh, it was a season. Uh, how, how do you address that kind of going into week one? Uh, I just want to survive. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm only partially kidding there, but, uh, I mean, I generally, uh, like we've talked about previously, like I mostly stick to cash games in, in football. And, uh, my expectation is I will be predominantly playing cash again this year. Uh, it's more trying to figure out how, big the gap is between what I'm building for cash lineups and what I'm building for GPPs and kind of, I, I, I would like to see my, um, GPP entries grow as the season goes on, or yep. it's just one of these things that like, I just don't, um, not that I have like NFL cash games, like figured out. Um, it's not, it's not that easy, but I find at least I'm a lot more comfortable in cash games. And so I think, Moving on to to GPPs just makes more sense because you know it's just kind of another step in in, uh, in DFS football. Although I say that, and I think I'm actually more looking forward to trying to figure out showdown GPPs as opposed to okay. the classic GPPs uh, because just the way that you need to analyze one game and how to make a unique lineup and figuring out which correlations make the most sense for that one specific game, I think is a challenge that's a little greater than, I mean, obviously winning a million dollars for the, uh, for a classic Sunday is, uh, is a big challenge, but I don't know. I you feel know, like there's there, a, there's a, there's a million dollar showdown winner is. week one. Yeah. For, for, uh, yeah. For the first showdown. Yeah. The Thursday that is night game. Crazy. Um, the, uh, why are the Packers and bears starting the season? I think it's the hundredth anniversary kind of there, the classic two oh, teams okay. thing. I, I think that's what because usually it's a Super Bowl winner. It's, you're right, exactly. Exactly. And the Packers and Bears didn't win the Super Bowl, as far as I remember. They did not. Um, I think it's a hundredth anniversary kind of you know uh, going back with the NFC North and uh, you know kind of the old uh, George Hallis Vince Lombardi stuff. I think they were okay. going with that. With I suppose that, that makes sense. Guess. Yeah, I mean, long-standing sports leagues. Not that like a hundred years is an eternity, but uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so setting goals is actually a big one for me. I think you're probably a little more uh, disciplined than me. Probably not something that uh, you need to figure as much as I do. But I'd like to, uh, you know, keep my GPP and cash percentages a little more standard during the year. Um, as I go in the year, I tend to, uh, you know, I admit that I tend to look at the bigger numbers and think like, oh, that'd be nice to win that or nice to finish high in there. I think that I, I slide a little bit too much towards GPPs kind of as the season goes, and I, I lose my I lose my discipline and cash game percentage a little bit in the season going on. So I'm going to try and fix that this year and kind of stick with it and i think it's important to um stick with your plan you know obviously you need, you need to adjust as the season goes on how you're doing you know whether you drop down a little bit or go up a little bit if you're doing well but i think sticking to a plan you know i, I see a lot of people like 
I'm going to play more cash games. I'm not going to play MSGP. And like week three, they're, you know, they're playing 90% GPP. And it's just <laughs> one of those things that you have a couple bad weeks in football. It's tough because you have a couple bad weeks and suddenly, you know, Sunday night you see the results. You're like, oh, man, this sucks. And you got Monday, Tuesday. You have a whole week to just like stare at those big GPPs and stare at those big numbers. And I think people uh, – it's easy to get away from your plan midseason because you get, you're excited for games. It's easy to talk about your plan preseason and you know, you're trying to figure out stuff to talk about and trying, you're trying to plan. But I think as you get in the season, it's really hard to stick with that. And I'm going to try and – myself uh, for sure and i think everybody else should you, you stick with your plan at least through the first four weeks of the season and then maybe readdress you know you get to 25 percent way in the season then maybe uh you know sit down with your results and, and figure out maybe a new plan or a way to go but um stick with that plan the first four weeks and then and then reassess after that i think is, is a pretty key thing for everybody but definitely something that i'm going to try and do this year i think one of the toughest things about consecutive losing cash weeks like if you're trying to just grind out cash games and you're losing and that doesn't even necessarily mean that like you're getting uh, off the cliff is a term that we've has become popular, um, like you're, you, where you basically win nothing. The, the benefit about uh, for head to heads is that usually you end up with some people who are worse than you. Um, but so you're not going a total loss. But one of the toughest things about um, losing a few weeks in a row in cash games is that your your mind immediately starts thinking, if I'm going to lose why am I putting myself in a situation where if I do win, I'm doubling my money instead of making my $20 into a million. And right. I, I think that's like, that's really tough. Uh, and it's kind of one of the, I mean, the, the term like that it's a grind is fully accurate. And so, um, there, there's going to be a time where you hit on this losing streak. And even if you're somebody who who predominantly plays GPPs or really has no interest in cash games. Like I totally understand doing that. Like you want to put the time in and get a significant reward in cash games, unless you're entering, uh, you know, a thousand dollar head to head. And obviously the downside's a little higher there if you lose, as opposed to entering the milli uh, maker. Um, but there, the, the idea in GPPs is generally like you're, you're going to lose more often than you win, uh, just because you, you, it takes a much higher score to cash, uh, particularly in NFL to like win a GPP. The lineup has to be nearly perfect. And so if you start thinking, you know, you start going week to week and you're not quite winning, you're not quite winning. And even if you're not cashing at all, um, the, at least you have that idea of like, if next week I can just do this again and I can win big. Whereas in cash games, it's like really tough to get out of that because yep. a few weeks of losing, you, you have to like grind yourself back in. And I think what a lot of people, uh, use uh, cash games for is more on the downside in that like you can still you're there's if you get good at this you're not gonna lose everything whereas in gpps you could put in a ton of entries and literally lose everything and then you, you know you're you're so far behind at, at week whatever four or five that either you stop playing or um, you start getting you know, you, you don't adjust and you start getting a little riskier, even though, you know, because you're thinking, well, my my this process isn't working. So let me just try something completely different. And then you just start putting yourself in significantly negative EV situations. And then now it's not fun. You're not winning any money and you're done playing. Yeah, I think that's a good point about changing your process. You know, I think that's important to make sure you look at your process and make sure it's right. But if you if you do like your process, if you feel good about what you're picking, you know, like you said, don't uh, don't shift off that. It's always it's always important to improve your process, but changing your process, just change your process, it tends to get you in a lot of trouble. And that's kind of what we had mentioned in a previous podcast of like you, what's really important about um, looking at your results, both when you win and lose, is trying to figure out if 
the, the guys that did well in that week, if you did not do well and you look at the guys who did well and you don't understand why people had those guys, then you need to go back to your process and say, what did my process, where in my process did these guys fall out? Because if they did really well and a lot of people had them and I missed it, why did I miss it? And subsequently, if you won huge one week, you need to look in and say, did I get lucky or did I, was my process right? And once you figure those out, then it's easier to, to figure out what you're going to do the following week. And, and I think, you know, listening to this podcast, hope you'll help with that. I think we'll do that a little bit, you know, kind of we'll look back a little bit and, and figure out what we did right, and what we did wrong. I think it's important to, uh, to do so. I got a question for you on GPPs. Do you have a strong preference on I'm just going to use numbers just to use numbers. But yeah, say you have 100 bucks to play in GPPs that week. Do you have a strong preference in doing like four $25 entries or one in the $100 uh, contest? Do you have a, a strong feel on uh, how to kind of split up your money in GPPs? Yeah, the the way that because there are so many options on DraftKings right. and FanDuel, like it's I if I only had one entry, I probably am not entering it solely in a hundred dollar GPP. Like if that's your bet, your GPP bankroll for the week, you want to spread it out just because and, and that's more if you're making multiple lineups, like if you're making one lineup and just throwing it in a bunch of GPPs, like you have to appreciate that there, there's significant downside risk there that you, if the lineup doesn't do well, you don't cash anywhere. So if you have this bankroll, it's better to make multiple lineups. And it's it just if you think of it, if you enter different 10 lineups, let's 10 lineups into 10 different GPPs, you're giving yourself 10 opportunities to win. And obviously, if you're a one lineup person, you enter in all the GPPs and you crush it and you win everything. Like, obviously, that's fantastic. It's also like highly unlikely. Um, And it is important to understand that like different GPPs have different cash lines just because um, you know, there are fewer people in it. So obviously the more people are in it, the more, the higher you're probably going to have to score because there's probably a lineup within the, you know, tens of thousands of entries that will hit the, the, the perfect one. And so, uh, I think it's better to just make sure that you're entering in, into a bunch of things. And, and one of the, um, lessons that, uh, I learned in back when I did soccer podcasts, uh, kind of these teaching ones with Jordan Cooper is, uh, he always makes sure that the total amount of his entry fees um, is less than the, the uh, amount that he could win on a GPP. So he, it's not, you know, basically you don't want to enter so much that if one of your GPP lineups wins, you don't want that to then be less than how much you've right. entered. Like it's a good point. Yeah. Just, it's one of those things that like some people just don't think of that. And so you want to make sure, and with football, it's a little easier, especially with a hundred dollars to kind of spread around. Like if you win a GPP, they're big enough. The certainly the first prize is big enough where, um, that'll pay it off, but just make sure that like, based on what you're entering, are you going to be rewarded enough for how much you're putting in? And so it's just one, you know, part of the contest selection of just spread it around because you want to give yourself the best chance to win a GPP. Like don't go in thinking we're going to win 10. Obviously you want to win 10, but realistically, if you're going to do multiple lineups like that, you're the, the realistic hope is one of them hits. And if it does, then you're probably good for the whole season. Do you have a, do you have a strong feeling on, uh, you know, the big GPPs versus like a single entry GPP? Do you, uh, I know you don't play as many as, uh, as many as I do, but do you have a, uh, do you, do you enter the really big ones when you play or do you, are you more like a single entry trying to win, you know, $6,000 rather than a hundred thousand dollars? Yeah. I, I generally don't worry about single entry. Like I understand okay. why people enter them, but, uh, I just kind of have this fundamental th- thought process that like, if I'm going up against 
30 people who each have 150 lineups. Like it, it doesn't matter to me if one of them wins or if we happen to be in a GPP where uh, it's that many people doing unique or single entry ones. Like, and it, I hate saying that because, uh, you know, that I'm just looking for the big number because we complain so much about these top heavy GPPs. And then I have to admit that like those top <laughs> oh, numbers are pretty like, Oh, okay. There's, there's a reason those top numbers do well. I exactly, mean, they're, they're, exactly. they're certainly appealing and it's hard to look at them and not jump in. Yeah. I mean, coming from, from soccer, which is significantly uh, smaller, uh, the number, just the raw numbers themselves, it's easier to, to kind of make that jump. Whereas, you know, if you look at a soccer GPP, that's like, Oh, it's 2000 to first and 60 bucks to eighth. And I'm like, well, that's, that's not fun at all. But like eighth place in an NFL GPP is like six grand. And so like, that's a little different than 60 bucks. Yeah. That's uh, even that, if that's you have to really beat good... significantly more people. Yeah. That's a good point there. So I want to jump into some mistakes to avoid as we go along the season. But first a note from our sponsor, fantasy football evolution, fantasy football evolution is back for 2019 and better than ever. You spoke and we listened. We've added mock drafting, moved the championship final to NFL week 16 and made setting up a private competition a snap. Join FFE and play the game you love as it was meant to be played. FFE's unique three-stage format delivers the best of season-long fantasy football without the never-ending drafts or late-season absentee owner and waiver-wire antics that can develop in traditional leagues. Play as an individual or be the commissioner of your own private league. You get 16 weeks of action for just $25. You can be the next FFE $25,000 champion. Maximize your chances by owning multiple teams. Optional auto-draft and lineup assist can help you manage them with ease. It's all here. What are you waiting for? Register now at FantasyFootballEvolution.com and join the evolution. Availability varies by state. Visit, visit FantasyFootballEvolution.com for details. So some uh, mistakes to avoid as we as we go through this uh, this long NFL season. We kind of hit on a little bit at the beginning, but uh, I think it's really important not to change your plan. Don't change your plan because of a good week. Don't change your plan because of a bad week. It's okay to increase volume of a successful week, but you've got to stick with your plan. You've got to stick with your process, and I think that's kind of the the number one mistake that I see people make, and I talk to people on on Twitter or they send emails uh, you know, to asking advice, that kind of stuff. I think the number one thing people do is they freak out after week one, and they either won a bunch and they're playing huge contests that they shouldn't be in – or they lose a bunch and they're like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to I'm either going to chase my losses or I'm not going to play as much. I think uh, I think sticking with your plan and really uh, not freaking out after after two weeks is really important. I totally agree. And I think it's also important to recognize, I mean, specifically uh, in terms of how you're playing, not so much just the the volume of it. But like if you uh, in week one uh, hit, hit a GPP and you have this big winning, you're like, this is awesome. Um, and then you're like, wait a minute. So. I'm really good at this. And now um, <laughs> what I noticed is that a lot of the good players who also are in GPPs play a lot of cash games. And if like, I've never played cash games before, but like people who do this a lot play cash games and I only do GPPs, but since I won this GPP, I have all this money. So now I'm going to play a bunch of cash games and um, people who play cash games love that because if you have no idea what you're doing and now you're coming in with a bunch of money for cash games, like everybody's celebrating because you or everybody who usually plays because it, it's easy money for people because if you're somebody who's like, oh, I know these low owned guys and you're, I'm really good at this clearly because I just won a hundred thousand um, dollars and now I have to make this cash lineup and you're, you're just going to get destroyed. And so like, I think if you're somebody who wants to focus on GPPs and you hit one big early in the season, um, keep playing them. Like they're, th if that's what you do and that's what you're after, uh, just because you won one doesn't mean you can't win another. It's unlikely, but you, there are certainly people who do it. And so I think it's not only in terms of just your bankroll, but like in terms of your contest selection, that it's it's better to stay disciplined because 
Um, while it's a little tougher if you know if you're somebody who plays a hundred dollars a week and you hit for a hundred thousand, obviously your your bankroll can go up if you want it to, but um, there's no reason to just go crazy just because you have all of this extra money. Yeah, and I think on the flip side, it's important not to chase losses. And, and this has become a thing in DFS now. I used to call this the Hawaii problem uh, back in the day <laughs> when, I, when I used to, uh, you know, bet some college football here and there. Uh, you know, allegedly, uh, if you had a bad day, you always had that Hawaii game on the on the on the on the West Coast. Like that game started at like nine o'clock at night. Yeah. So you've got all these games. You're, you're you know you're really studying games and figuring out. But then all of a sudden you're you know you're down a certain amount. You're like, oh, there's one game left. Let me bet it just because it's there. And it just it, it just it has it happens. Uh, so often I have a lot of friends who used to do that. We always now it's now in the NFL, you've got the Sunday game, but in, in DFS, you have that showdown contest on Sundays or on Mondays. It used to be like if you had a bad DFS week, you're like, you know what? This sucks and I got to figure it out all week. But you had those like three or four days to kind of cool down and, and get back to your process. Now, if you have a bad Sunday, you're like, oh, crap, I can bet a whole bunch. I can play a whole bunch of showdown teams on Sunday night or even Monday night. I think it's really important not to chase your losses and get caught into that. And now it's a thing you can do in DFS. And that's, that's kind of scary. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they give you plenty of opportunities to make up for your losses. Um, although theoretically it gives you some more volume if you just won and you want to keep winning. I think that's the idea at least. But um, I think one of the big things with that is uh, a lot of people will be like, oh, I lost today and I know there's a game tonight, so I'll just throw in a lineup. And like, of course, th- you're, there's no research process to it there. You're just getting lazy. Uh, it, it's theoretically easier because you don't have as many spots to fill in, in terms of the roster. It's one game. So you have fewer players you have to worry about. But like there's a significant um, research process that goes in a showdown like it's easy. It's, I say this about DFS a lot of times, like it's easy to play and it's really hard to win. And I think yep. one of the things that people are like, oh, DFS is so easy to play. And it's like, it is really easy to play. Like you can build a lineup in seconds, but like oh, yeah. winning is really tough. And so um, if you're putting yourself in a situation where you're like, I'm going to play this showdown slate because it's really easy to play. Um, you have to realize that there are people like there are people who only play showdowns like yep. that. They have no interest in a Sunday 12-game slate. All they want to do is play showdown and that they've been, you know, the work that you do for your classic lineups, they've been doing for their showdown lineups. And there's, I mean, there is a lot to, like, to building good GPP, I mean, even cash, but, like, specifically GPP lineups for showdowns because there's more than just, like, I need low-owned guys. Like, you need you need a unique lineup so that if you do win, uh, you win everything. Like there's what you don't, the last thing you want is to win a hundred thousand GBP and split it with 50,000 people. That's right. an, obviously an extreme example, but, um, hey, that's, pl- a, that's a $2 win right there. I, I took math. <laughs> so there's, you know, there's just a lot that goes into it. And if you're like rushing this because like you just got slaughtered on this regular classic slate, you know, I'm going to, I have an hour until kickoff. Let me just try to make it up here. Like realize that there's work that goes into these showdown, uh, lineups that or that you should be putting in and just like trying to make up for Sunday for earlier Sunday by slapping something together is not going to work. 
Yeah, and I think the, the key thing you said was make it up. Like, I'm not saying, you know, if you're if you're going to sit down and watch a Sunday night game with some friends, not to throw a $9 entry in for some fun. But uh, I think that the, the, the phrase you used, make it up, was the key. Like, if you lost, a, you know, 200 bucks on during the day on Sunday, you know, don't try and make it up on Sunday night and Monday night just because you're frustrated. And it's it just the, 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 the fact that those those slates are there is just really dangerous. It is like a really a betting problem with trying to chase your losses. And that's been a thing for years. But I think the key word you said in there was make it up. And you got you got to not do that. You don't want to play that. You want to have some fun. You want to try and make a few bucks sure but uh don't try and make it up on those showdowns right i mean like like i said like i'm i'd like to play more showdowns this year and but like that's i'm that's part of my plan is to like make play more showdown and i'm not going in like like you should have an idea um before the classic slate if you're going to play the showdown that night and don't let what happens all day sunday affect what you do for your sunday night entries like they they're not correlated events at all just because you lost or won during <laughs> on the earlier slate shouldn't have any effect on what you do at night and so just remember that that's you know they're different contests and you you need to be able to prepare yourself for those like it is anything else you talk about focusing on showdowns are you someone that's going to play the sunday night game also or are you kind of stay away from that because you're watching games on sunday or are you more of a monday thursday person what's your what's your plan with with that uh i'll probably play all three yeah okay um, wow. until I you. just decide they're awful. No, I'm just kidding. What, uh, what, uh, what time did that game start on, on the East coast? Is it eight 30 start? Eight 30. Yeah. 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 That gets a little bit late. Yeah. I mean, but it is like, you're somebody who doesn't like scoreboard watch anyway. So shouldn't I like, do not. so the idea of like, Oh, I'm going to put this lineup in and I'll watch like the first quarter and then I'll go to sleep. Like, isn't that the same thing? Well, I like watching games. I just don't like watching the scoreboard. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So we'll see the problem with, with showdown. It's more fun to me for more fun to me to sit down and watch a game and look at the result at the end rather than it is to watch and see how many, how many, uh, how many points that, uh, you know, that, uh, Lamar, Lamar Miller, uh, I guess he's not a good, good example anymore. <laughs> <laughs> how many points that Marlon Mack, you know, six yard run uh, got for me. Yeah. Okay. I, I understand that. Um, yeah. I guess the, the big difference with showdown is, um, you know, like right away how you you're doing because yeah, that's true. Um, you can't make up touchdowns anywhere else. Like the, it's not like there's so many games going on that like you see one of your guys scroll by, scored a touchdown. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. That probably helped me like showdown. It becomes very clear that like if one of your guys gets hurt, like you're probably toast. And so um, I guess you're probably toast in classic also. But um, just one of those like if you're a low owned guy. Uh, all of a sudden scores a touchdown that nobody was expecting. And now you're like, maybe I, maybe I should look at this. <laughs> uh, it's a foreign concept to me. Do you actually have to go to bed before games end? Yeah. That's I haven't, wild, I haven't man. watched that's the like end. Never, of, that's like never happened to me. Before. Oh, I haven't seen the end of a Monday night football game in 15 years. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> if someone you care about is playing, will you stay up or is it just too late? What do you mean? Care about? Like if uh, I was going to say the Jets are playing, but yeah, there's not a lot of Jets Monday night football. Monday they they night played game. Thursday. Yeah. I stay up for the Thursday ones. Like, like, like Rams chiefs that like you're staying oh, up like, uh, I'm like probably staying up for that. Yeah. Uh, I'll, st- I'll, I usually watch some of it. So I'll know like if the game like is, has a great first half, like I'll probably stay up for it. But, gotcha. um, yeah, I, I generally don't, I generally don't watch Monday night or Sunday or Thursday night and Sunday night. I can get some of it. Sunday's just tough. Like, because not only just, and this is like a totally personal, um, like schedule problem that like soccer I watch because I, my other job, like I do a lot of European soccer and that starts at like seven o'clock in the morning. 
And so it's like, I have a family. uh, And so like explaining to my wife that I have to watch like two soccer games and then a whole afternoon of football and then watch Sunday night. Um, You know, the, where do you leave time for the bachelorette? (laughs) That's a really good point. I like it. Um, on the, uh, do, do you like, uh, you sit down, watch soccer on Sunday morning and tinker with your lineups? Like, yeah, it must be a little, uh, it's a fun and full Sunday morning and we, with both sports going on. Yeah, that's pretty much. I, I, my soccer, Sunday soccer is very limited. Like, I, I really don't play a lot of Sunday mornings. The, the contests are small. They're even okay. cash games are really small. So, like, it's, it's easy to skip it. Saturday is really like the big day for, for soccer, uh, at least for the premier league. And so, yeah, but like having it on and knowing what's following what's going on while you're building football lineups is pretty good. So back to, uh, back to mistakes to avoid, uh, you mentioned, uh, you want to talk about uh, not creating correlations that don't exist. Uh, what, what exactly do you mean by that? Yeah. So, uh, this popped into my head, not popped into my head, but it was like when I, while I was listening to, uh, a podcast, I think it was last week with uh, Chris Liss and Jeff Erickson talking about their processes for Survivor and, and doing uh, picking against the spread every week, where uh, Jeff made this point of like, you don't want to make uh, correlations between games because they're completely independent events. So like, if you are picking every game against the spread and you're like, oh man, I picked every away team. And you're like, that doesn't matter. Like each event is its own situation and like what happens in one game really does not affect what happens in another i mean you if you're parlaying them then like again what they're they're totally separate events and so what you want to do that or you, you want to stay away from making these correlations in your head of like if this guy i don't want to have every player from the early games like because i don't want to have uh, you know i want to be able to have a few guys in the later slate so I'm going to actually make a worse pick because this guy is kicking off at four o'clock Eastern instead of one o'clock. And it's like, that makes no sense. Like I know, I know so many people that do that. Too. And, and, and there, and there will be people be like, well, there, you know, there's late swap and you want to be able to leave yourself um, some options. And it's like, that is true. But if you're actually going in making worse picks because it gives you some flexibility later on, uh, the pro the reason why you need that flexibility later on is because you're falling behind everybody who didn't care that they had everybody in the early games. And now they, you know, they got their scores and now you're working to catch up, even though you sh- could have had those guys. Like I realize that there is a strategy to late swap. We did a whole podcast about it, but if really the situation is meant for similar, similar guys, whereas if you think all of the best plays are in the early games, play those guys and so don't so, so it's actually kind of an anti-correlation you're you're making the correlation that like i need all i need to spread it out but just don't worry about game time yeah i think that's a good point a lot of people i always hear like oh i have to have the late afternoon hammer to to really catch up in lineups and yeah late game that's great so great <laughs> it's always and and that's great except you're if you're actually taking someone that you think is going to score less points just because they play in the afternoon like just think about that for a second and i have people tell me that all the time well I want to be able to catch up. I want to be able to catch up. I'm like, well, there's no point. If you're taking, if, if you could have had 33 points or someone earlier and you're taking someone you think's going to score 26 points, like that doesn't make any sense. Just think about it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. There, you don't get any extra points for playing in the later games. Like they're, you're, you're putting in a variable that doesn't exist 
for real life. Yeah. Like, when you're, you're... when the when the Sunday night game used to be in the main slate, it's not anymore. I, I the Sunday night hammer was always a thing. I just rolled my eyes all the time. <laughs> the the only reason why that may have been a thing is because those Sunday night games tended to have good like great teams. And so it was like but if those great teams were playing in the first game, the slate of games, you would have taken them anyway. Right. So there, yeah. And, and that's, that's fine. But I've had I've had a lot of people like you know just wanted someone in the late game just for no other reason, just to have someone to catch up with, and it just it's just it makes no sense. It right. doesn't work math wise, doesn't work common sense wise, just doesn't work at all. So uh, yeah, take you know make your best team, figure out your best stuff. Don't uh, don't do it based on game time. And on on that same note. Don't overanalyze weather. I think we talked about that the very first podcast, but um, you know, only extreme weather has big effects on games, and even extreme. Like I'm looking for, you know, super snowy or windy is a big thing for me. If there if there's like huge wind gusts and you have a quarterback, I start to think about that at some point. If there's a ton of rain, you worry about the ball slipping and stuff. But for the most part, I kind of skip weather unless it's super super extreme. And the easiest way to know if the if it's going to affect anything is looking at the total. And if Absolutely. the total is not moving, then everybody who's betting on this game doesn't think it matters. And so you're now putting in this, it's effectively a narrative at that point. And you're thinking like, oh, the weather's really bad and, and nobody thinks that the total's moving. I mean, maybe it was already low so that, you know, because they thought the weather was going to be bad, but like just looking at, just look at the total versus every other game. I mean, it's kind of the process that you're using already. And you're saying like, if this game has the highest total and now it's still the highest total, like. That's the problem. That there, there's your answer. I mean, obviously, if it's going down and now it's the fourth biggest total, now you're like, okay, maybe. But that's like built into the total. Uh, don't like, don't say like, oh, it's falling and there's weather. Like, no, that's that's why the total is falling. Yeah, and I think you, there's a lot of very smart people that bet on games. A lot of smart people in the sports books that set the lines. Uh, if if there's a if there's an issue. If there's something that's really going to affect it, you're going to, like you said, you're going to see that total drop, and you'll see it drop by three or four points, and that does happen, and that's when you need to get your antenna up, maybe figure out you need to, you just need to switch away to some other players. Yep, exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, I think something that we talked about uh, at some point during the season so far is, you know, I don't, uh, I think it's a big mistake to kind of slam someone into your last roster spot just because of the amount of money you build. I see so many people that build, you know, they have their eight guys they really like in that ninth spot. They're like, well, I have 6,300, so I'm just going to play, I'm just going to slam someone who's 6,200 or 6,100. Like, make sure that you're taking someone because you want to take them not because they fit you know building a team is building the entire team not building eight spots and just slamming someone in the last spot yeah i totally agree i i think um people are generally more okay with it if they're like a minimum price tight end because they're like oh if this guy's gonna play you know if he can get me two catches like that's fine but like that's about as punty as it gets which sometimes punty punty punty, i like it (laughs) sometimes that works uh you know if you're building one of these like stars and scrubs lineups then like those occasionally work, but um, yeah, if you're in that range, if you're much higher than that, uh, where there are guys who can like actually produce, um, look at the guys who are there. Like, don't say like, and and don't assume that because a guy is more expensive than somebody else you're looking at that he's better. Like, the ranges of salaries are there for a reason, but it's more just for the gameplay itself, not necessarily that they think one guy is going to score more points than the other. And so, um, you know, just. Like you said, have a reason for every player. 
And it's easy to talk yourself into guys. You know, you can get to that spot where you have 7,400 bucks. Like, you're like, oh, well, maybe I really do like Brandon Cooks at 7,300. And you just yeah. you know, make sure you don't do that either. I think it's a, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I would never do that. And then you then you look at, you build your lineups. You're like, oh, maybe I do do that. And I think I am someone that I've done that in the past and I've tried to get away from it, you know, building the entire team rather than, you know, like I said, eight guys in one spot. But it's easy to talk yourself into someone just because they kind of are the perfect salary fit. You got to be careful not to do that. And I think one of the benefits uh, to having team defenses is, is because they're so variable um the like i don't want to say it doesn't matter which one you take uh because obviously they matter but the variance is so high that if you are like oh i have 73 left and i the guy really wants 7500 like change your defense like it's it's probably not going to burn you. You're probably going to get four points instead of five. Like the, obviously there are situations where you're like, Oh, I had this defense and then I had to change and they scored 25 points because they had two interception returns for touchdowns. But like the, uh, they're, they're, it's probably not going to be that drastic. If it happens to you, you're going to remember it forever though, just to warn you. But, uh, <laughs> but like, that's the easy way to do it. So like the, it's almost like the defense should be your last spot that you fill just because you don't necessarily want your team defense to decide where you're going with your other spots because um, the the scoring is just so random that you may be able to to pay down a little more and it actually benefits you because they score more points than the one that you paid up for. And so like use the defense for, for its flexibility more than like the defense itself. Yeah, and that doesn't mean take any defense, but you know, correct, if you have to correct. go down two hundred bucks, like pick a defense that you can kind of you, you see the game script, you see the game flow, you can think can start to work. And you know, it's funny you mentioned you, you'll remember that defense that you know goes off that you switched away from. But there are so many times you're like, oh, I got to play Jacksonville this week. They're playing, you know, used to be Cleveland, you know, and this is perfect. And you look up and they have five points. So yeah, that, the- that happened. That happens so much and so much where you just don't remember it. But there are so many times where I'm like locked into a defense and this is the play this week and they score four points. You're like, why did I spend so much time, you know, working around that defense? I think I agree. I'm going to, I'm going to do a little bit more of that this year and kind of uh, be a little more flexible with my defense and, you know, find someone I like and find someone in a good matchup. But, uh, you know, if I need a couple hundred bucks, that's where I'm going to look to swap to. There was a, there was definitely a week last season where, uh, and there were, we were discussing it in our subscriber discord, um, which is, has actually been pretty active despite no games going on yet. But if anybody wants for, to join for two, for two seconds, yeah, explain that exactly what that yeah, is. Yeah. So, um, this is a, a chat that we have for all Rotowire subscribers. Um, you just go to rotowire.com slash chat and it takes you right there. And there are people who are literally chatting about football all the time in terms of, uh, you know, what salary ranges people are looking for. What we see a lot of one V one questions for cash or GPPs. And so, um, it's a pretty good community. Even on Sundays, um, people are just kind of in there tilting. You obviously would have no interest in this as somebody who doesn't even check (laughs) scores, but, um, but there was definitely a week last season where there were multiple people like, no, no, this, you have to pay it for the bears this week. I forget who they were playing. Um, I mean, the bears are usually pretty good, but whatever their garbage opponent was that week, it was like, no, you got to play the bears this week. And the bears had like six points. And like, I think it was the bucks had like 25, and everyone's like, well, who saw that coming? And it's like, well, that's the point. Right. Like we, we don't know with defense, like the bears could have an excellent defensive game and force 12 punts and yep. you're not getting that many points for that. And so, um, I think one of the important things, uh, specifically on DraftKings, cause it skews a little more that way, like points allowed, 
really shouldn't be a concern to you. Like there's like a four point difference between giving up three points and giving up 33 points. And so meaning three fantasy points. And so you want turnovers, uh, sacks, like the, you want the action, like the action points basically. And so that's why these things can be so variable and why it's okay to like pay down $200. If you have 7,300 left and you actually want a guy who's 7,500, like it's okay to go there. Yeah. And there's a fine line of defenses too. Like in the, in the third and fourth quarter, if your defense is up 14, that's great. Cause that other team's, you know, really throwing to try and catch up. But if your team's up 28, you know, sometimes that team in their side in the fourth quarter just run the ball and try and get the heck out of there. Yes. Too. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, you don't you don't want 45 to three. You want uh, you want like 17 to seven, like in the fourth quarter. That's uh, you want a, a team trying to catch up, not a team trying to trying to get on the bus. 17 seven in the fourth quarter sounds like a classic Jets game. Uh, that does something because not this year. We're going to have a little Sam Donald. I love Jameson Crowder, Robbie Anderson. I think the Jets are going to be a little explosive this year. I, were, I can guarantee you we will have a Jets conversation next week. I, uh, I look forward to it. I think Robbie Anderson is a, a nice, great season-long play at the price. I think he's going to be a nice DFS guy, too. Okay. We'll get and there. Jamison, Jamison Crowder on, on DraftKings with a catch per, per, per PPR, full point PPR, I can talk. Uh, I think he's going to be uh, kind of sneaky, too. I think they, they're really setting him up. I think he might be an 80, 80 to 90 catch guy this year. I'd love to see it. Yeah. See, look at it. I'm talking, talking up your Jets. <laughs> Um, another thing, uh, you know, that I, I think people make mistakes on, you know, I'm kind of taking this from, I've played this for a lot of years. I talked to a lot of people who play different levels of DS, DFS. I'm obviously very involved in the season long community too. So I talked to a lot of people there, but I think that the problems we'll get to is, you know, don't play low percentage guys just because you're trying to be contrarian, play low percentage guys. Cause you like them. You have a reason for playing them. You have a reason for what you do. I think we hit this maybe on the first podcast, but I talk to people all the time. Like, well, I'm going to play this guy cause nobody's going to play him. I'm like, well, why he's not going to do anything, but, but he's low percentage. No one's going to own him. Well, that's great if he catches a touchdown. But you can find low percentage. There's so many games on the slate. You can find low percentage guys you could be contrarian while having a reason for playing a guy. I think it's really important to only play guys you have a reason to. I know I preach that probably too many times on, on podcasts. But uh, you can get – there are so many plays. There are so many wide receivers especially. If you're playing a low percentage guy to wide receiver, do it because there's a damn well good reason you're doing it. You think he might actually do something. Yeah, the, the because he's low owned should be the second part of your reason. Like yes, you should agreed. say like I'm playing this guy because – I think, you know, he's been getting more targets in game. You know, the air yards look good and he's coaches talking him up. They moved him the first line or the uh, top line for uh, in practice. And I think he's going to be loaned. And like, that's, that's where you go with the low and like, obviously for GPPs, you want low owned guys, but there are a lot of guys who are low owned because they are awful. And you, you don't want to be these people who <laughs> exactly. are rostering them because like, should, this guy is so cheap. Um, and nobody has him and it's like, well, he's that cheap because he is terrible and nobody has him because he's right. terrible, except now you have him and now your lineup is terrible. And then you, you always get after week one or week two, you're like, Oh my God, this guy won the millionaire with a 0.4% player. I promise you that person took that person for a reason. And if they didn't, they just got really lucky and that happens too. But for the most part, good players, you can see the low percentage plays. They took them because there's a reason they saw something there that, that, that made them switch that player. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. By the way, moving to the top line in practice sounded like the most soccer thing you've ever said. Which is funny. It's more like a hockey term. I started fumbling it. Yeah, I've been doing a little hockey stuff recently, so my, my yeah, head's we, all over we the call, place. We call that first string in the United States. <sighs> they definitely don't even call it top line in soccer. I don't know where that <laughs> phrase came from. It felt uh, felt, felt very soccerish. I just Did thought it, that no, maybe yeah. it was. I yeah. I got uh, so 
I want to talk about uh, using lineup optimizers real quick, but first a note from our sponsor, Sports Predictor. The team of professional bettors at sportspredictor.com are an elite group of long-term winners. They're here to help you beat your bookie in five different ways. First, they win. The entire team at Sports Predictor has a proven, profitable edge. Second, they're data-driven. They use predictive sports models to consistently find value. Third, they're honest and transparent. Every pick for every handicapper every day is published on their website. Fourth, subscribers are limited. Every Sports Predictor package has a subscriber limit. When that number is hit, it is closed to new members. And fifth, they educate bettors. With informative articles and a Sports Predictor podcast to help you learn from professionals. Choose a professional handicapping service that operates with integrity and a winning edge. Choose sportspredictor.com. So, Andrew, uh, Rotowire has a lineup optimizer. A lot of sites have lineup optimizers. Um, I'm going to let you talk first on this one because I think you're a little better with this. You work with the one in Rotowire. You know how it works a little better. I tend to uh, be a build-my-own-lineup person. I'm kind of old school, and I'm old, and I'm, uh, I'm a little stubborn at times. Um, I don't have a ton of experience using them. I have used them. I've used them for basketball. I use them for baseball a bunch. Um, it kind of gives you a, a little bit of a good start on lineups. But t- talk to me how you, uh, how you use the lineup optimizer, especially the one in Rotowire, which is you know very valuable. Are you using pen and paper? Uh, I do use a lot of pen and paper. Oh, it's really old school. It really is. I told you. I'm. Uh, I, I like to. Uh, stubborn is uh, stubborn is a uh, something that you would use to describe me. Uh, my wife would agree. I had to fill out a form for my kid's school yesterday, and my hand hurt because I had to write <laughs> like five words. Um, so yeah. So there. You're just, try, you're just trying to point out how much younger you are. That's fine. I understood. Am I even point younger? Uh, yes, you are. Oh, okay. I think so. Okay. Um, so there are definitely ways to use an optimizer the way it was meant to be used. And there's a way to lazily use it, um, and get poor results. Um, and so the latter part of that is going to an optimizer, whether it's the rotowire one or somewhere else. And there's usually a giant button that says like generate the optimal lineup. And basically what that does is it takes that site's, uh, projections for the games looks at their salaries and gives you essentially the most amount of points that you can score within the salary structure. And uh, one of the important things to understand is that um, projections uh, pretty much anywhere are generally just 50th percentile projections. They, they don't account for if a guy has his ceiling game or what his floor is. I mean, it gives you kind of like if you do this a hundred times, like this is the most likely thing that will happen. And yep. while that's, that's fine, a, that's a really, that's a really good point, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so while that could be fine for what you're looking for, you have to understand that if that, if our, the, our optimizer says this running back is going to score 24 points and this other one is going to score 23 and a half and they have the same salary, it's never going to give you the guy who scores 23 and a half because right. it's fundamentally built to give you the guys who are, who provide the most value for their salary. And you have to realize that the odds that the, the, the chances of these two guys being similar, uh, or obviously the projections think they're going to be similar, but there's probably just as much of a chance of the 23 and a half guy outscoring the 24 than vice versa. And so right. when you use the optimizer, you're pretty much just throwing out a bunch of guys who are within a certain number of points to the guys that end up in the optimizer because, um, it's in the, they should be in the range, but you're now ignoring them and playing this lineup that may not cash at that point. And so the, the way I use the optimizer, um, and it generally helps more to give you an idea if you're making multiple lineups, but what you effectively want to do, and I know it sounds weird is you want to throw out everybody like, 
you, there are certain games where you, you're like, I probably don't want any uh, exposure to this game. And so within these optimizers, you within our optimizer, like you can just exclude a game. So if you're building, if you're trying to hone in on a cash lineup and you're looking at the Ravens uh, Dolphins, although Ravens probably bad. If you're looking at Jets Bills, that has a total <laughs> of 39 and a half. And you're like, I don't want anybody from this game. Like you can exclude them. And now they're, it's never going to give you Le'Veon Bell, never going to give you Sam Darnold. And you're going to regret that because they're going to kill the bills. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so Love it. W- what you want to do is use the optimizer to basically um, reduce the player pool to the guys that you actually want to consider. And once you do that, um, you're going to realize that this giant pool of players, which I mean, 12 games, a lot of players that you have to get through, but using the optimizer will make you realize that there are, there are a lot of guys that you just don't want. So like take out all the guys from the dolphins and like the, even if you, um, even if you're thinking like, uh, you know, the dolphins are at home, but like you, you, you're not going to play any dolphins in the cash lineup. Like it's. I get it, but like you, it really makes you look at each player and really each game and just say like, do I want any exposure to this game? And if the answer is no, then you're, you're reducing your player pool. And effectively, once you do this over and over again, um, now you start getting into the, well, do I want these two guys or these two guys instead of like, do I want these eight guys versus these eight guys? And so the way that you can use the optimizer, like don't even worry about the, the fantasy points that are projected to start. Like what you want to do is reduce your player pool. And then once you get that, then you can start looking at where, you know, if you want to use the projections, that's fine, but you can see like, all right, this guy's projected for 20 and a half and this one's for 21. And you just have to recognize that that's, they're basically the same, like keep them the same. And you can adjust the fantasy point projections like manually in the, in the optimizer. So you could put in the same projection for, you know, let's say you go in your, I want, I don't know if I want, Dak Prescott or Carson Wentz or Russell Wilson. And so like you can just go in and say, project all of these guys for the same. And then you can go in and run the optimizer and it'll give you a lineup of if it could be any of these quarterbacks, here are the running backs and wide receivers that fit with these guys. And that's how you sort of start using the optimizer to help you build a lineup that you like, as opposed to the kind of one click and just hoping that the guy who was projected for 24 does actually outscore the guy that is there for 23 and a half. I'd like to bottle up that four minutes and sell it. <laughs> that was you do really sell good. It. It's on rotowire.com slash daily. That was really, uh, that was really good. We do have a video on the optimizer page that can walk you through it. But I, I think generally uh, optimizers, and it's probably just a, a poor term. Like they're really like lineup builders, yep. but the way you want to use it is, to help you build your lineup. You don't, you shouldn't be using these things to like get a lineup that it's not, that's not really the point of them. I, plenty of people use them that way, but you're now relying on the projections, uh, of a site that is using 50th percentile projections when more often than not, these guys are not going to finish there in, at least in, in a single NFL week. And so you have to understand that there's um, kind of a margin of error for all of these. And it can be pretty great. And guys who are projected for 25 points and guys who are projected for 24 points um, are effectively this, have the same projection. And so you need to use the optimizer to show that like, if these guys are equal, who do I actually want to take? I got a couple questions and then a few comments. Is that cool? Yeah, of course. 
Uh, I assume just I, I've used it before, so I know the answer to this, but I assume you can eliminate players as well as teams. So like you, you mentioned eliminating the Dolphins or the Bills or the Jets. You can eliminate if you just don't want Le'Veon Bell, you could just do it that way, too. Right. You can. I don't know why you would ever not want Le'Veon Bell. But yes, you could do that. Ter- it was a terrible example. Yeah, I didn't yeah. mean it that way either. Yeah. It just came out anti-Jets. It was just, <laughs> that was just mean to be mean. That was terrible. Well, um, that's right. I know where you're lying. You're already talking about them for next week. It's great. On the uh, on the on another question. So uh, with, with the lineup options, like say you, you drop it in there, it gives you that one lineup. Do you find that that lineup is like is is high percentage in contests? There's obviously a lot of Rotowire subscribers, a lot of subscribers to other sites. Do you see like lineups that? are high percentage because they're the optimizer lineup of the site. It would seem to me that using the exact lineup and optimizer would be just a sure way to make sure you do not have a unique lineup and just a bad idea. It's certainly not ideal for showdown where you're like specifically looking for unique lineups, but the football contests are big enough where you'll, you probably won't see a ton of duplication. I mean, as much as like we don't, as people kind of like look down on it, there are plenty of people who sell lineups, even though it's not really allowed um, by the sites, but like there are plenty of people who like buy a lineup and so you could be in a double up and you look up and all of a sudden there's 50 entries that have the exact same lineup. And like theoretically, it seems like such a bad idea, though. It's like, a really bad idea. Yeah, it's, um, it's I mean, I I've gone down that rabbit hole with a few people just explaining to me like why people do it. And I understand why people do it. I just think it's a, it's a I don't even want to call it lazy, but it's just not a great way to play. Like you're um, you're not really not doing that, any like, work. A not fun way to play. I mean, fun is uh, in the eye of the beholder, isn't that? Uh, I don't know. Click, clicking a button, getting a lineup, and entering in all your contests seems like the least fun way to play DFS. <laughs> I, 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 there are people who do it. I mean, I, oh, I, I know there I, are, I know yeah. the, and there are people who go to our lineup optimizer and they do it. But I think you know, it's just one of those things where there, the lineup optimizer has a lot of tools in it that you can use. I mean, you can build stacks in them. You yeah. can change the projections to just look at guys who. Um, ceilings or floors, you can do it just, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things you can do with it and, uh, you want to be able to use them, like take advantage of this tool. And, and even if you're not necessarily running the optimizer to get one specific lineup, it's at least a, a different view of the entire player pool, but you have a little more information than you do just on the FanDuel or DraftKings line or lineup page where you can see the spread, you can see what, um, what the total is uh, it's easy to like eliminate guys from, from consideration. You can group certain guys together to compare them. And so there, there are tools within this optimizer on Rotowire that you should be using. Um, if you're a subscriber that, um, it, that is, are just so much more effective than just give me an optimal lineup. Yeah. And that was kind of the, you kind of bled into the, the comment that I was going to make at the end is I think that it, what, what's a, what's good about it is all the tools are there uh, it's a great way to kind of flip around and build your lineup. I think, like you said, the Collingwood lineup builder would be would be you know uh, the way I would use it. But I think more than anything, it gives you all the players on one page. It gives you all the content on one page. And not only that, you can look at Zeke. You can look at say you're looking at running backs. You have them all on one screen. You can click on Zeke and go see what his game log looks like. And go see what the opponent game log looks like. You, there's just so many things you can do from that one screen. And the the value of it to me really is kind of of a, kind of a home page. You kind of click around. Use it for different tools, use it for stacking, but also to jump around and you jump around the site and read about different players. Whereas you get it all in one page, you like you have three running backs you like in the same range, click on all three of them, see what their game logs look like, see what their injuries are. You can get all the information from one page. You can use that as a really valuable tool that way. Right. And one of the benefits of of the optimizer is you know, you can lock in certain, you know, 
if you have guys that you, you know you want, you can lock them in and then you can run the optimizer. And it's like, well, here are some wide receivers that fit in the salary range. And even if you haven't eliminated guys, if you're looking and you're like, gosh, I don't like any of these guys, you can eliminate them. And then you can run the yeah. optimizer again. It's going to give you three more options and say like, do you want these guys? And it, that's, you know, just continuing down the path of like reducing the player pool to one that you actually will consider. I mean, there are just so many players and most of them you don't want. And so this at least gives you the idea of like, do you want to play this guy? Yes or no. And if the answer is no, then you can eliminate him. And now your player pool is even smaller so that you can get to the guys that you actually want to play. Yeah, it's amazing how many great tools there are. I mean, just in the last like five or six years, so much stuff has, has come out that really makes this uh, makes this a lot more fun. It makes it uh, makes it easier in some way, makes it tougher in some ways. But I think the key, and more than anything, is with the optimizer is you know you want to do your homework too. You know, don't let the optimizer do it for you. You want to pick your lineup. Let use the optimizer to to help build your lineup, to help give you some information, to help give you some keys, and you know, like you said, guys, you want to eliminate. But I think you know, you doing your homework and using the using the tools as a combo is the way that you're really going to do well. You know, don't. Uh, you don't let this uh, do all your homework for you. If you don't do it yourself, you're not going to get uh, out of it what you put in. Right. It's, I mean, this is this is just a tool to help you get to the answer. This is not going to just give you the answer. I know, but uh, I like I like just getting answers though. It's certainly easier. That's like why I said, you listen. That's why you listen to, to the podcast every Friday morning is that's for right. answers, right? That's right. Sorry, I forgot. I didn't realize you were setting me up for that one. I was trying to still you just working didn't on take, it. You just, you just didn't take the bait. Yeah. No. no, no. <laughs> Uh, anything else on the uh, on the lineup optimizer, the RotoWire site in general for DFS that you want to hit before we uh, before we move on to some some late game shenanigans here? I mean, we're obviously going to have plenty of content throughout the season. I you know each week throughout the season. I think even if you only play on FanDuel, I think it's beneficial to read the DraftKings article just to give you another perspective. Maybe yep. somebody has a, a little nugget that you ne- didn't necessarily think of, and so like you know, there's going to be a lot of content out there. Take advantage of it and use the tools to you know to their max. Yeah, and we will be we will be with you every Friday morning talking about the entire slate. I think uh, Andrew and I have decided we're going to do kind of a by position breaking it down. We're going to look at quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, uh, tight ends, and defense. We'll kind of break it down that way. But uh, we're going to get pretty in depth with uh, with everybody. We're talking about a lot of players, a lot of prices. We'll hit prices on uh, on DraftKings, FanDuel, and Yahoo. Um, so I think we're gonna we're gonna have a pretty good breakdown every Friday. So it'll be a good spot to come to after you've kind of done your initial research. You've looked at the games, looked at the slate. Uh, we're gonna really get deep into the into the slate every week. It's gonna be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's been it's been actually educational and fun to do these preseason ones. I thought uh, at the beginning I thought it was gonna be there's gonna be a lot of them to fit to fill time, but it turned out that we had a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of good stuff. I, I learned a lot from you, and hopefully hopefully I imparted a little bit of wisdom too. But uh, you know, talking about the, a lot of uh, game strategy and content selection with you is uh, I think is gonna be valuable for a lot of people. Yeah, I think people kind of don't appreciate just how much more goes in to daily fantasy football than like knowing the players and like, I'll just take these guys and there's a lot more to it. And there's a lot of people that are, that are playing it uh, that intensely and that seriously that are using all the information too. There's a lot of, there's a lot of really good, serious DFS players out there. Whenever I, whenever I read DFS stuff or hear some stuff, I'm, I'm always impressed by how much time people put into, you know, just one slate. Totally agree. Uh, so before we get to some uh, late shenanigans, know your host, uh, a note from our primary sponsor, Yahoo. Yahoo has officially released their week one daily fantasy football contest. They have a $1 million contest for week one with no management fee and $100,000 to first place, meaning more money goes back to you, the players. There's a 10 entry max. You're not going to be playing against people with 150 lineups like on some other sites. Yahoo also has a $100,000 guaranteed contest. So there are a lot of prizes out there for week one. If you're just getting started with daily fantasy football, join for free to enter the Yahoo Cup and play all season long. 
$10,000 in weekly and season-long prizes, and if you get a perfect lineup, you can win $1 million. Get started now on yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy. So, Andrew, a little uh, get-to-know-your-host, a little late-game shenanigans here. We've talked a lot about uh, positive things here, who we like, stadiums we like, players we like, movies we like, TV shows we like. Uh, what about some guys you don't like? Uh, I'm always uh, interested in uh, you know what teams or athletes you uh, you don't like. I am not a big um, anti-team person. You know, a lot. Of, I'm an A's fan. A lot of A's fans hate Giants fans. I don't really care. Uh, you know, I was happy for them when the first World Series level. A lot of fans, their friends, are Giants fans. I was happy for Barry Zito. Uh, by the third World Series, I was kind of over it. But the, <laughs> the first one, the first one or two, I, I was good with my my parent. Or my wife's parents are huge Giants fans, so you know it was fun to see them be happy. And uh, but by the third time, I was you know I was like, okay, that's enough of your happiness. Um, as a uh, you know, as a Warriors fan, I don't really hate the Lakers. You know, as growing up, I didn't like the Lakers just because they won all the time. But that was more than anything else. There weren't any. I don't, I'm not really a team hating guy. How about you? I know you're you're pretty strong Villanova. Do you do you hate uh, you know UConn or Georgetown or Syracuse? I know conferences have changed a little bit these days, so maybe there's not those rivalries. But uh, what teams or players do you kind of you know, kind of love to dislike? I think before I answer that question, um, sure. To just show, and my answer to your question will um, be obvious when I say this when we were writing our notes for this podcast um you wrote um that you wanted to talk about our least favorite athletes and teams and i wrote athletes we hate i think that says a lot right there (laughs) yeah and so i am absolutely somebody who takes joy (laughs) in teams that i root against losing and so um it like i absolutely can't stand the new england patriots but i'm like a lifelong jets fan and so um a a lot of it is because they've been so successful like i'll be the first one to admit that that like i think if there's any athlete i'd be perfectly content never seeing play again it's tom brady and if the (laughs) new england patriots were just like banished from the nfl that would be perfectly fine with me um, I also hate the Giants, though. And so, like, those two Patriots-Giants Super Bowls were awful. They were, like, two of the worst sports days of my life because, like, the, these are the two teams that I – and the Jets are so bad that – or have been, at least – that it um, it's, like, tough to get happy about the Jets because um, they, they just don't win enough. And then – so it gets to the point where it's, like, I'm actually getting more joy out of seeing the Patriots lose – um, because, and it's not like it happens that often, but like, I'm perfectly happy watching them lose. Um, and if Tom Brady did, did, never wins another game in his, the rest of his career, like that's awesome. I would love that. And seeing the giants now become like a laughing stock is wonderful. I love it. Like I, every minute that Eli Manning stays in the NFL, like I, I'm celebrating it. I'm, I'm close to buying an Eli Jersey just to keep him around because I'm so happy. Um, so I love it. So Love it. that theoretically answers the question. I hate UConn. I live in Connecticut and I hate UConn because, you know, when I went to Villanova um, and when the Big East was around, like there was that. I hate Syracuse. I hate Georgetown. Like I, if it's the same thing, if they never win again, I'm perfectly happy. Thankfully, Villanova is good enough where I can take joy in two national championships recently in my lifetime. Um, but yeah, I would say like Tom Brady Bill Belichick and New England Patriots are the team like I disdain the most. Um, it drives me nuts. It also doesn't help that I basically live in like, so I live in Connecticut, which is you know, depending where you are, like kind of basically halfway between New York and Boston. And it's just loaded with giants and Patriots fans. Yep. Um, nobody here is stupid enough to be a Jets fan. And so like sporadically, I'll see somebody like wearing a, gr- a green shirt 
and I see like a, a football on it and I'm like, oh my God. And I'm like, oh, it's a Packers fan. Like yeah. there's just not that many Jets fans around here. So, um, it's definitely so that, that that first Patriots Giants Super Bowl where you rooting for the Giants just because the Patriots would have been the perfect season. That just would have been too much to take. I felt I, I have uh, f- more friends who are Giants fans. Like growing up in New York, like I have friends who are Giants fans. So like I felt uh, like people you actually like and yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Happy. yeah, yeah. So I was like, I was happy for them um, for like a, a minute um, because I, there, I just found no joy in anything about it. It was just awful. But the Patriots <laughs> not having the perfect season was certainly great. Yeah. That's um, a, that's a nice little bonus right there. Seeing, it was. Uh, seeing seeing all those kids wearing the nineteen and shirts that uh, didn't uh, didn't exactly exist in exactly ways. like I was perfectly content with that. And um, but on the flip side, like I have witnessed enough Patriots games um, where like when the Falcons Super Bowl, like when they were down twenty three, uh, like they're they're winning so this game. Like I if if I had live betting at the time, like I would have bet on the Patriots because I was like I have seen this before. I've Tom Brady probably has a thousand wins against the Jets in my career and in my career, in his career, <laughs> in my life, it feels like. And so it's, uh, it's awful. Like I, it's awful. It's awful. Uh. That's uh, yeah. That's uh, the 28 to three game. Like I, I had, uh, you know, allegedly I loved Atlanta in that game. Mm-hmm. I really thought they were the better team. I had money line bets. I had spread bets third quarter. I'm in my, we have a big garage here with three TVs, we have a big party. And, uh, I uh, I was counting money. I admit that I did not see them coming back in that game. But uh, I'm not a Patriots hater, so I probably don't uh, didn't remember the fact that they that's, those are the kind of games that just win somehow. It's uh, it is just awful, and I I like basically just hope every day that finally there's like a scandal that takes them down. Like the well, the ones that they've tried are like, so haven't weak. Haven't there been like four already? Well, they're, they're none of them are really strong enough. Like the Deflategate thing was so funny, and it's really funny to talk about Patriots fans about it because it's like. They were obviously cheating, and they're like, "No, no, no, no." There's science, and I'm like, "No, the science actually says." And they're like, "No, no, no, no. That that's the wrong science." I'm like, I, "You just can't talk to them." And and again, I this is fully hatred because of their success. Like this is not like something else. Like it, I this is a team that I grew up. I actually didn't even grow, grow up hating them because they weren't even that good. But like I. I bla- I basically think that Mo Lewis should have like a statue outside of Foxborough because he's the one who hurt Drew Bledsoe to allow Tom Brady to start. And it's like just the fact that the Jets were responsible for part of this going, not to mention the fact that Belichick was the head coach of the Jets for a day and then left to go to the page. Ah, oh, Scott, I can't believe you made us talk about this. <laughs> this is beautiful. This is this is the best <sighs> topic idea I ever had. <laughs> So it's funny. I don't have a lot of those, but Least the one favorite. for me recently has been the Houston Rockets. Uh, obviously, I'm a, I, I'm a very intense Warriors fan, and that goes back more than five years. For everybody's sure, going to say sure. that's been only five years. I, I grew up going to games. You know, uh, Tim Hardaway and Chris Mullen and Mitch Richmond run TMC. Were like my heroes for a couple years sure. in there, and I uh, I grew up grew up loving the Warriors. And you know, the Lakers are always a team that beat us. And but it was just like one of those things, like similar. Like I didn't like the Lakers because they always won, but I didn't really hate them. But the last few years, the Houston Rockets, like I can't stand Chris Paul. Uh, <laughs> if you go if you go to a game and you just just don't pay attention to anybody but Chris Paul, the dude never shuts up. He's whining about something to everybody. He's yelling at his own teammates. He's talking to the ref constantly. I get it's the NBA. Everybody talks to the refs but chris ball takes it to a degree that no one else does and it's just such a whiny he has a look on his face at all times it's whiny uh james harden with his bs fake foul flip his beard back and head like there are multiple <laughs> plays on the internet where guys don't even touch him and he flips back his head like he got shot in the face it's just they're hard to watch they, they play a brand of basketball that while i understand it from the analytics standpoint 
is not fun to watch. Watching James Harden dribble for, you know, 23 seconds and then take a shot just bores the hell out of me. But, you know, they had the series a couple years ago where the Warriors beat them. They came back because, you know, they, it was all because Chris Paul got hurt and we would have won if this and that. And nobody points out the fact this year that the Warriors were two, tied 2-2. Kevin Durant gets hurt. They still win that game without him with Chris Paul on the floor, go into Houston uh, still with no with Chris Paul on the floor and with no Kevin Durant and beat them in Houston. It was just the most perfect way to end that because all I heard <laughs> for a year was them complaining. Their fans are miserable. They're miserable. Daryl Morey's miserable. He's really smart and a good owner, but he's miserable when he talks about his team and how great James Harden is. He, I mean, he, he called him better than Jordan last week, which he's just like, come on, just just stop talking. Um, but you know, it was just so perfect that all they did was complain about injury turning the entire series and the Warriors had, you know, arguably a top 10 player of all time get hurt during their series Mm -hmm, and still won mm -hmm. the series. It was just, it was poetic justice to see them still lose and at home without Durant with Steph scoring zero points in the first half and then scored what 37 in the second half. All these Rockets fans like Harden's better than Steph. It was just the most perfect way to end that series. So uh, I guess if there's a team that, that fits in there for me right now, it's the Rockets. But I think it kind of shifts for me based on eras. I hated the Seahawks for a while. During the 49ers Seahawks games, you know, there were just fantastic rivalries and battles that uh, the Richard Sherman tipped interception play in the NFC Championship game probably broke my heart more than any other game. Like that was just a great football game. If you look back at that yeah. game, it was like the most well-played, like elite level game. Kaepernick made a pass to Anquan Bolden where he like kind of jumped and threw the ball in midair like 35 yards on a dime to Bolden the only spot it could have been caught just like if anybody has not seen that play or watched it recently if you go back on YouTube and watch that play it's one of the most impressive like athletic passes I've ever seen and you know there's a lot of obviously there's a lot of stuff with Kaepernick now but just in that game like he kept him in that game he had like a 60 yard run down to the 10 or whatever it was that kept him in that game he was awesome in that game Russell Wilson was awesome in that game Sherman obviously was at the peak of his playing the whole Seattle Legion of Boom was peak like that in terms of like NFL in the last like 10 years I think that's the best NFL football game talent wise and play wise we've had and just losing to those guys and going up there and getting all the false starts and that crowd drove me nuts I went to college a lot of people from Seattle and they're all they're all annoying about their team so that kind of added into it but uh so the Seahawks for a while they uh you know Niners aren't as good now and so that rivalry's kind of uh diminished a little bit but uh, probably Seahawks and Rockets are the two teams it's just kind of you know recent rivalries that get me going a little bit you're um back to the NBA because I, I actually found that um my NBA is like filled or like filled with the uh, players I hated. And you mentioned one, um, and it was Tim Hardaway, but it's not because of his warriors time, but like the late nineties, like mid to late nineties, like Nick's heat rivalry oh, yeah. that they had. Like I couldn't stand Tim Hardaway. I couldn't stand Alonzo morning. Dan Marley was on that team. I had no actual hatred toward thunder Dan, but, um, that can actually I, can made I, can me, can I tell you a Dan Marley story real quick? Please. So we were in uh, when I was in college. We had a girl in college that uh, went out one night. Uh, she went out, oh, we're going down downtown. Went out one night. Came back. Talked about how she hooked up with Dan Marley. Hmm. Uh, turned out that it was a guy that looked like Dan Marley. And Phoenix was playing on the East Coast that night. Oh, just beautiful. <laughs> good looking guy, at least. Uh, good looking guy, and uh, knew, knew how to uh, knew how to play his looks. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Was he six seven? Uh, probably not. Probably I'm not, like right? Six yeah. two, six three. Right. But you know, if you're tall at that tall point, tall enough, people, yeah. <laughs> uh, a, cu- a couple drinks, six two can look like six seven. Sure, really sure, sure. Yeah. Um, by the way, by the way, six seven looks way different than six two. It sure does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, where was I? Oh, the NBA thing. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, the last one, which um, the player that I probably couldn't stand the most in the NBA was Reggie Miller. Um, yeah. The whole like Knicks fan, I could get. Yeah, that, that whole like uh, comeback where he did the choke sign in front of Spike mm-hmm. Lee, like. The only thing that actually makes me feel better about hating Reggie Miller like back then and now 
is that he's like easily the worst uh, color commentator, like on doing any like uh, basketball, like he does NBA. And when they bring him in for the NCAA tournament, he is like, he is horrific. And to just see everybody being like, I cannot believe they let Reggie Miller on TV to talk about this stuff. Like just makes me like feel better about hating him back then and probably still hating him now. Yeah. It's a strong word, but like, I as a Knicks fan, I could I could see the Reggie Miller thing as a Knicks yeah. fan for sure. Yeah, was, that was uh, one of the. Not like, only he not well, only was good and and at the right time, but he kind of he kind of uh, talked it up a little bit and totally. stuck it in when he had to. Yeah, he knew exactly what he was doing. It was, I mean, it was fantastic entertainment. Yeah, and uh, there's a, there's a lot to be said for guys like that. Whereas exactly. Chris Paul is just, just whiny, just to be whiny. <laughs> no entertainment value at all. Uh, least favorite. I think you hate yeah. Chris Paul. Uh, I'm close. If I'm watching a game and uh, it's close in the fourth quarter, I probably hate Chris Paul. There you yeah. go. There you go. Yeah. So, well, thanks everyone for listening to the RotoWire NFL Football Podcast, the Friday DFS version. We always appreciate that. If you could please rate or, the, rate or review the podcast, that'd be fantastic too. If you want to follow Andrew on Twitter, he is at RotoWire Andrew. I am at Scott Jensted. And uh, next week will be Week One. I really appreciate everybody listening to the preseason podcast. Hopefully, you learned a lot about DFS. Hopefully, it will help you this season. And then we'll uh, we'll break down slates each week to help you even more. So, thanks everybody listening. Hope everybody has a great week. Take care. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.